0: my podcast my name is jamin Gurker. i'm a realtor in south central alaska and my mission is to help people build intentional and significant legacies for themselves and their families by coaching them in real estate and today i have a special guest of mine she has been active in the real estate market here in south central alaska specifically in the MatSU valley for decades at this point she brings an incredible amount of experience with her um, she's, I kind of refer to her as my real estate grandma. So everybody, please welcome Cora Carlson.
1: <laughs> I don't know if that's, I just don't know about that, Jamin. You might, you might regret saying that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, until then, we're, we're going to keep that. <laughs> okay. 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 So obviously I have a lot of folks that are kind of asking at reaching uh, reach now and asking about you know, what's the new construction look like up in South Central Alaska? What are kind of the pros and cons? So you're kind of the subject expert on that. So just wanted to bring you on here. I guess first, can you kind of go over just the pros and cons of new construction and who should be looking at new construction?
1: Okay, I, I have experience in new construction because my husband is a general contractor. He's mostly retired now, but we work together for 30 years in his construction company. And I did the designing of his buildings and the selling. And um, he did the construction, of course, and warranties and and all of that. So that's where my construction background comes from. I think that those who want new construction um, are those that really want the newest, greatest and latest styles. Uh, We all know that you can go into neighborhoods where the floor plan is very compartmentalized, and that's not how we live our lives today. Uh, Today, we are very much interested in open floor plans and um, spaces that can expand to the events that your family is having. So one of the things that, uh, that I see, especially with people coming up from the lower 48, is they're probably going to be more interested in, in new construction um, than in purchasing something older.
0: Okay. Outstanding. So what are, so I mean, obviously being able to kind of design the with the new construction to kind of design it the way that you want it to, to be, but uh, that's definitely one pro. Um, what are some other good things that most people might not think about when they're starting a new construction?
1: Well, one of the things is, is that you've got a good seven years before you have any issues with uh, appliances, uh, furnaces, anything like that. I mean, I'm not saying that you don't have to do your general maintenance. Obviously with these, especially with these newer furnaces that we have, they do require yearly maintenance. And if you don't do it, it can be very expensive. And um, so some of these new, very, very high efficient furnaces that they have, just you just gonna have to put that into your budget that every year you have these things serviced. But keep in mind, you're not going to be replacing um, a, a range, uh, um, a, a furnace or a boiler, a roof. Uh, you're not going to have those major component issues. Uh, your plumbing is going to be newer and it's not going to have issues like an older house might.
0: Got it. Okay. Now, those sound like some pretty good, compelling, uh, compelling pros. What are, I guess, some of the downsides of of going new construction? And you know, this might kind of go a long ways to helping people decide if this is their their cup of tea or not.
1: <laughs> well, um, of course, new construction. If you come into a neighborhood that is, uh, you know, has several builders, and you want to buy a lot and have something built there. Uh, covenants, covenants codes restrictions. Some people love them, some people hate them. They are a double-edged sword. Uh, Whereas in one sense, they prevent you from, uh, you know, quote unquote, doing whatever you want to do, but they also prevent the neighbor from having a school bus as a guest house. So, you know, the the covenants can be a deterrent for for a lot of people. Um, Another one new construction is, of course, the waiting, waiting for your house to be done. Uh, Decision fatigue. A lot of people, couples especially, get uh, decision fatigue. There's so many decisions that have to be made. And generally, we found that uh, one part of uh, one person in the couple was generally the decision maker. But by the time it was all over, they were sick of it. So, Make sure that you can make those decisions. Make sure that you have the skills to work it out if you guys don't agree. Um, Another one of the other ones, especially with people moving out from the lower 48, um, if you're having a house built in Florida, the landscaping comes with it. In Alaska, it does not. Uh, That's a huge expense, depending on the size of your lot. Now, most of the properties in the Matsu Valley are an acre or more. Um, you get into Eagle River or an Anchorage, and they're you know a quarter acre or maybe a little bit less. So of course that landscaping is going to be a lot less expensive. But you can easily spend ten to fifteen thousand dollars getting your land. I'm just talking grass. I'm not talking right. little bushes. Um, but you can easily spend a lot of money putting that in. And. I've known people, I've heard people say, oh, we're just going to wait. We're going to wait a couple of years before we put that in. Well, let me tell you something. The kids and the dogs will haul in more dirt than you have in your yard. So that gets old really, really fast. So that is a huge expense uh, in new construction. Another big expense with new construction is uh, refrigerators, washers and dryers blinds curtains uh certain types of additional shelving that you want are all extra and uh so if you're going to have uh, a new home built and you've got just enough money for your down payment you're gonna move in and go oh well we still need this and this and this and this so set a little money aside for all those extra things
0: yeah that's that's really good so I guess let me ask you this then, what's the the state of the, the new construction market right now? Because I mean, it's, I mean, obviously the cost of materials went way up and I know that's, you know, that's a, that's a question that's like a mile wide and an inch deep, but can you kind of talk about what that looks like up here in Alaska?
1: Well, shnikes, that's a big issue right now. Um, well, the contractors that I know, they're, frustrated with uh, not being able to get the materials that they need. I uh, went to put a dishwasher in a rental property the other day, and they told me it won't be here till February. So that's kind of ridiculous. So we are having those kind of of issues. Now, I do expect that to get better. The biggest problem that we have in Alaska is skilled labor. Uh, For one reason, Uh, we're not teaching our young people to be carpenters or or to be proud of being a carpenter. Those are very special skills and very specialized skills. Um, I had uh, six children. Five of them were boys. All the boys learned how to swing a hammer and how to use a skill saw and, you know, basic engineering and, and reading a tape measure. And so Not all of them went into construction, in fact, just a couple of them did, but they all have the basic skills for being able to to uh, use their hands and get something done. So we, of course, are not seeing that in our in our school system or or any kind of, of training system. So we get people that just kind of fell into construction and maybe they learned a little bit here and they learned a little bit there. And a lot of them really do hone their skills. But our biggest problem is not having enough of those people and having the work ethic that goes with it, the showing up to work every day. Uh, One of the problems we have is alcoholism and drug abuse in our our workforce. And of course that uh, makes it very difficult for a contractor to keep an employee.
0: Gotcha. So that sounds like definitely something you want to talk with your um, talk with your realtor about then to make sure that the contractor has a good reputation of being able to get the job done and do it on time
1: absolutely absolutely
0: well outstanding so let's go and do this then so I know a lot of people when they're first getting into it one of their big early questions is how much is it going to cost (laughs) yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I know that's that's an even broader question than how's the market doing but
1: <laughs> it's interesting because um I was actually just writing an article um about uh remodeling uh, the difference uh, remodeling versus new construction and remodel is higher cost per square foot but you can take you can do it in smaller bites hmm. and okay The other thing is, is that as we expand our community, of course, those newer um, uh, neighborhoods that are built are a little further outside the commute bubble. Um, So as we get further outside that, yes, we got a nice new house, but I'd rather live a little closer in maybe one of the older, more established neighborhoods. So then you've got this dilemma of, do I spend my money in remodeling or do I spend my money on new construction and get exactly what I want? So that's something that you personally have to weigh out as to which is gonna work better for you. But um, uh, as far as, the costs of new construction, we are still higher per square foot than existing homes. And uh, part of that is is because of the cost of materials. Um, We are seeing a stabilization in the cost of materials, which is very, very helpful. I know that some builders uh, this uh, spring, spring 2021 were unable to go into contract uh, until just before they started, because of the increase of materials happening so quickly. And therefore, customers didn't know how much the house was going to cost until it was done. Um, that's a very scary situation to go into. And, and I'm not saying don't do it, I'm just saying make sure that you have a very reputable contractor that you're working with and you have a realtor in your court. Um, uh, protecting you. Remember that uh, the way we work with new construction is, uh, Jamin, if you come to me and uh, want to buy uh, new construction, I can show you several different builders. You would choose one. The builder has their realtor and you have your realtor. The cost of your realtor is paid for by the builder. So uh, my suggestion is that if you are going to build new construction, use your own realtor. Don't be represented by the builder's realtor.
0: Right. Because I mean, one part of it is that realtor does have the legal obligation to look out for the best interests of the of the builder. So I, I can definitely see that.
1: Correct. And yep. you need a fiduciary on your side.
0: Exactly. So. What are some war stories that you have with uh with new construction? Like <laughs> I imagine I imagine you have quite a few. I mean, unless like your entire career has just been smooth sailing the entire way.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh okay. So there are several things that can get you into trouble with new construction. Um one is, if you don't have a builder that's reputable, or maybe doesn't have the experience, um, sometimes you're asked to give a rather large deposit to start uh, uh, to start your home, and uh, sometimes that can be as much as twenty percent, which is essentially your down payment on your on your new house. So you know that could be eighty thousand dollars. Um, I have experienced, uh, builders that took deposits and left the state with the money that has happened. So, um, you know, you do have to be very careful, make sure their bonds are in place, understanding the bond and the bond process and how that works. One of the requirements that the state has is that, a builder be bonded? Well, the bond is only $20,000. If you're giving the builder $80,000, that $20,000 is a fraction. So, um, so Okay. Yeah. So for,
0: for those that might not be in, in real estate or construction, can you explain what a bond is?
1: A bond is something that the builder has to purchase. It's usually an insurance policy and they pay a fraction of that bond. So in the state, the bond is $20,000. Uh, I think we pay about $800 a year for the bond. And um, then if something like that happens, the builder leaves the state and uh, kind of leaves everybody high and dry. Or if the builder dies, that bond is in place to be able to pay back any monies that, that were given to him. But like I said, 20000 is a drop in the bucket.
0: Yeah, so- I mean... Yeah, I mean, especially yeah. when you're talking about putting down that kind of money.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My suggestion is if you can, uh, to not to go over 5% of, by, uh, of a deposit and do it incrementally. Yep. That would be the safest way to go. But you can ask people like, uh, you know, when you ask, builders always get, uh, well, not always. Some of them do it cash out of their own pocket, but uh, they get a construction loan. And usually they'll get their construction loan from like uh, First National Bank, uh, Alaska, or um, North Rim. And you can ask them who their interim lender is. You can call the interim lender. You can have a conversation with them. How many houses have you built with them? Do they pay their bills on time and all of that? And the banker will really help you, give you a lot of good information.
0: Man, that's great. So with the, the lending then, Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I've heard of new construction loans. I've been told their interest rates are higher and it's, it's kind of for a shorter time period. Can you um, talk about that? What the, yeah. the financing side of it looks like?
1: Well, the financing side is, is rather spendy. And of course that cost is added to the purchase price. And so uh, if, uh, if you're having a home uh, built, Jamin and you uh, you go to a builder and the builder says, uh, um, the house is going to cost this much to build, that would include those financing fees. So usually they pay just for the privilege of getting the loan, um, two and a half to three and a half uh, points above uh, prime for just the loan. So usually it it adds up to six or $7,000 just to, for them, to get the loan then they pay interest on the money that they borrowed so when uh, and the interest is oh, they usually have a minimum and i think the last minimum i heard was six percent and Ooh, that's you, a minimum huh yes And usually these loans uh, last uh, six to nine months, and then they have to be renewed. If they are renewed, you pay that original fee over again. So if it costs you $7,000 to get the loan, when you renew it nine months from now, because the builder isn't done with the house, you have to pay that 7,000 again.
0: So timing is really important here because there's definitely a season you can't do much.
1: Yep. Timing is important. If you're starting your project in August and it's going to take five months to build the house in, in, in just generally takes five months. The builder quotes five months to build the house. So that's going to end up being finished first part of February. So let's just take, A look at at what that looks like okay so august can we get the foundation in before freeze up so we can we can go we can get framing done well then it 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 snows uh, before the roofer gets there so then somebody's got to get up and scrape the roof off and that holds us up for a few days and then uh then we get sub-zero of 21 degrees uh below zero and they can't pull wire for electric because it's too cold. Uh, then we get into Thanksgiving, which subcontractors are gone for a week and then we move on into Christmas and everybody's gone for a couple of weeks. You can see how this uh, time frame is ticking and uh, uh, those weeks are getting lost. Uh, your time frame for building in the winter usually adds you know three to four weeks.
0: God, I mean, especially when you're talking about that that timeline you were talking about. Like, it sounds like that's almost a for sure way to add an additional. Was it like six, seven thousand dollars, whatever that fee is, to get the get the uh, building absolutely. loan again?
1: <laughs> now, generally, the builder will pay that fee. He he does not pass that on because he knows it's his responsibility to get this house done in a in a certain in a certain time frame. I'm not saying that that generally falls on the home buyer, but a lot of times now the buyers are getting the construction loan. And so if you're a buyer and you're getting the construction loan, unless you've negotiated that with the builder ahead of time, you ha- you have to understand who's going to pay that fee if it goes over the uh the time frame for that new construction to be complete and paid off.
0: Got it. So you can do either the builder gets the new construction loan or you can do it so the, the buyer gets the new construction right. loan. Um, yeah. What are what are kind of some scenarios where it would make more sense for the buyer to take the loan versus the builder to, to take the loan?
1: Well, if the buyer gets the loan, they have more control, of course, because they control the money. So uh, they would take, uh, uh, the builder would submit a bill, they take a draw from the bank, and then they pay the, the builder, and then the builder pays all of their subcontractors. Um, the, it, it, one of the reasons why they would, uh, a builder would want the buyer to take out the loan is all builders have a credit limit. And maybe they've got three other houses that have loans and they're at their credit limit let's say their limit is a million dollars with the bank and they've got um uh 350,000 $350, dollar houses well that's over a million so they can't take on another house unless the buyer gets the loan because they've already reached their credit limit with the bank
0: okay that that makes sense so yeah. I mean, that, that definitely does make sense though. So that's not really a huge, is it a big sticking point in negotiation sometimes, or is it just, just kind of a reality of, Hey, we're going to have to do it this way. And that's it.
1: Um, it's a, it's a negotiation. It's whatever works best for the people involved. Uh, it, it may be that the the buyers don't want it. They don't want that responsibility that makes them nervous, whatever. Um Uh, If the if the builder, usually a a bank will not loan to just Joe below anybody unless they have a contract with a contractor or they hold a contractor's license. So like if uh, if somebody off the street, um, you know, let's just say you can you be off the street? So you (laughs) let's just say you wanted to build a house. And you went to North Rim Bank and said, hey, here's my house plan. I want to build this house. And they say, well, what kind of experience do you have building? Oh, I don't have any. But, you know, I, it can't be that hard. It's not rocket science. Um, they would say, no, I'm sorry. You have to you have to hire a general contractor and have all the insurance in place to be able to go forward.
0: Yeah, and that's that really is a big distinction because I have a lot of people reaching out. And, I mean, they're expecting they can get up here and just build their own house. They and- can't.
1: They have the money if they yeah. want to get the loan they
0: cannot yeah, exactly and it's like well i mean if you've got experience or versus not it's i mean you may or may not be able to get a loan for it like that's that's right. the thing <laughs>
1: right
0: okay so after we've got the the house all completed at that point i'm assuming you just refinance it pay out the um, existing building loan and then just go on to a regular mortgage at that point is that how that works
1: Well, two different ways. If the builder has the loan in his name, then you're purchasing it from the builder. And so it's just like any other purchase. Uh, One thing, when the house is complete, the builder will prepare what's called a builder's package. And it'll have all the inspection reports and the as-built survey and several other things in this packet that he turns into the bank. And so the bank can, um, so the buyer's bank can close the loan. Um, so once, that, once the builder completes the building, it takes him several days, uh, probably five days to get his builder's package complete. So it's not like, oh, the house is done, we can close tomorrow. No, it still takes time. I always added 10 days, 10 working days after the house was physically complete to be able to have the builder's package ready and go to closing. So uh, then, then it's just a standard loan. You're just buying it from the builder. Now, if you have got the construction loan, it's considered a refinance and it's a smoother process. It's still a new loan because now you're taking it from a short-term or an interim financing to a long-term mortgage loan.
0: Okay. That, that definitely does make sense then. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you've worked with quite a few people then. So what has been some of the questions you've had or some of the common um, misconceptions, whatever you want to whatever you want to call it, from people moving into the lower 48, maybe they have or haven't done new construction before. Um, Do you see any kind of common misconceptions that people have you kind of have to kind of walk people through the process for?
1: Yeah, one of the things is, is that um, they don't understand why the house isn't worked on every single day. Mm. And So one of the things, I mean, I I used to get phone calls. There's been, no one's been there for five days. Well, everybody is on a schedule. And um, so just because one contractor finishes a little early doesn't mean another contractor can move their schedule and get that contractor in to do that thing. There are uh, probably 15 to 20 different contractors that come in and work on that house. It's um, when you hire a builder, that builder doesn't do everything. All, what he's doing is he's organizing and scheduling and ordering all of the supplies and everything that are needed um, for the port to run as smoothly as possible. But there are times that uh, an electrician will finish early Um, well, or the plumber will finish early, but the electrician can't get there for several more days just because of the way their schedules work. And, uh, and there's an order in which things have to go it's called critical path. And um, so you can't, you can't pull wire uh, in, um, uh, in a framed house unless the roof is on there's there's all kinds of little rules like that and so you cannot get one contractor in there before another one you also can't have them all on top of each other they will get mad and leave <laughs> really <laughs> don't want yes and then you know they can get some of them are quite cantankerous. Um, and so, you know, usually a general contractor works with the same con- subcontractors all the time and they know uh, their ways and they know their crew and, and that sort of thing. So um, so I always try to explain to somebody whenever I'm sitting down with them with new construction, there are going to be times that you're going to come to me and say no one has been at this house for 10 days. And it is because of the schedule. That is just the, the blanket answer right there. Um another question that I get, uh, uh, well, concern or comment that I get a lot is, well, if the builder isn't done on time, can we charge him a per day fee? Well, you can ask, um, but right now, builders are so busy that uh, they'll just say, no, I don't want to build for you. Go find somebody else. And uh, because because we have having such a problem with subcontractors not having the help that they need and with uh, uh, supplies not being readily available, builders have no control over when this house is going to be done. And as, as much as they want to get done with it too, because every day that they keep that construction loan is ticking away money. The closer you get to the end of the construction loan, the higher they're paying because they've drawn out money to pay all the subcontractors. So at the end of the loan, you're you they've got four, three, four hundred dollars borrowed out, and they're paying interest on that much money. They want to get it done too, but they cannot be fined. It's just it's just impossible to to hold them to that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's. I imagine that'd be pretty difficult for a lot of people to, to really kind of understand and appreciate just because, yeah. I mean, we always want to hold somebody accountable yeah. and I mean, the builder looks like he'd be the guy, but that's yeah. sometimes but it's, it, it's just the situation.
1: Yeah. It's not always within his control. Um, another thing that, um, uh, uh, that that we you know we get a lot of of comments on is um can the buyer do some of their own things well that brings us back to critical path uh you know we've had people say well you know i want to do my own tile um well the problem with that is so, so they come in they do they do their own tile and they drop a tile in the tub and ship the tub okay um you know, they want the builder to replace it. Well, the builder, if he pulls out that tub, I mean, the, the house is literally framed around a bathtub I mean, he's got to pull out walls and all kinds of things to get that bathtub out. So the liability is really, really high for a builder to allow you to do that. Um, what happens a lot of times is people say, Oh, you know, I want to put my own um, uh, luxury vinyl planking in and you uh, So what if they want to do that and the builder has time to allow them to do that, that's between them. And that that sometimes can work, but it voids the warranty, of course. The builder is not going to warranty that that job. Um, A lot of times I've had people want to, uh, um, we had one time where someone had bought this beautiful uh, sink, it was pottery and it was just absolutely gorgeous. And they wanted us to install these pottery sinks in all the bath vanities. Well, the problem is we couldn't get a plumber to do it because the liability was too high. If the plumber broke the sink installing it, I mean, there they they were hundreds of dollars. There was no way that the risk was just too high for them to put them in. And the general contractor ended up having to put them in himself. Um, which they don't like doing because then the liability is on them. Right. So sometimes some of the things that somebody chooses to have put in, um, some contractors will not install them. Some subcontractors won't install them because their uh, warrant the the manufacturer's warranty is terrible. They install them um, in less than a year. The product fails. And then it's their responsibility to go back and repair it. So I've had people before buy something. Oh, it could be some vintage thing that they found at some thrift store and they got all of these faucets on sale. Well, the plumber doesn't want to install those because probably all the parts and pieces aren't there. But even if they are, he's not going to warranty them. So, you know, we get a lot of that people, people think they're going to save money by doing these certain things themselves. And all they're doing really is voiding their warranty.
0: So go ahead and talk a little bit about the, the warranty Because I mean, I, I get what it is. Um, can you kind of explain for people what the difference is between a regular home warranty and then a builder warranty?
1: Well, yes. There's a lot of difference between a builder's warranty and um, one of the warranties that you purchase on an existing home. Generally, the warranty lasts a year, and it is from uh, defects. Uh, it warranties against workmanship and defects. Now, okay. So there's this is this is tough because every builder's a little bit different um some builders have their warranty all written out and it's beautiful to look at and easy to read others uh, hand you something that's been copied 20 times over and is very difficult to read um others follow just the guidelines that are put out by the state some i have seen lately do six month warranties and some do no warranty at all and they make you sign a document saying that we don't warranty anything at all it's all up to you so um So the way we did it was we had a book uh, that we put out that showed how to how to do maintenance on your home, how to do maintenance on specific items like caulking. Caulking is going to fail; it's just one of those things that fails. It's not a warranty item; it's just maintenance. When you're when the caulking fails around your bathtub, you better caulk it up, or water's going to get down there. Mm -hmm. So, um, so but things like uh, oh, okay, well, here's one, cracks in sheetrock. Now, when the builder puts the uh, sheetrock, when the when the general contractor has it all done and it's all looking pretty, uh, there's no cracks in the sheetrock. Well, after a year, that house is gonna settle in and it's gonna settle down um, into the ground. And as it settles, you can get these hairline cracks. Uh, That doesn't mean your house is falling down. It's just skin. Think of it as just skin. That's all sheetrock is. It has no structural integrity at all. And as those uh, two by fours in your walls or two by sixes dry out, because they're all coming up from the lower 48 on a barge. And as they dry out, they can turn and twist and shrink. And so that's going to cause your sheetrock to pop a seam or uh, to have a hairline crack. So we used to, at the 11th month, we would send out a little postcard and say, hey, it's the 11th month of your warranty. Why don't we come in and fix all your sheetrock cracks? After the first year of of the house settling, you usually don't get very many after that, unless it's an earthquake crack. Um, So um, uh, most of it is with the warranty, it's just educating people on what is a warranty item and what is not. I mean, we've had some weird things. We had, uh, uh, one time we had water dripping out of a light fixture. Now what mm-hmm. in the world would cause that? And so the guys went over and they found that, um, there was, uh, snow. One of the baffles in the roof had, uh, been moved when they did the, uh, uh, blew in the blown in insulation and it got moved and we had a windstorm which blew snow up under that eave and onto to the top of the insulation well um it then it then warmed up just enough to melt through that blown in insulation and and it will find It's the easiest thing to follow, which in this case was a little cord and it went right down into that light fixture. Now we were able to easily go up and uh, fix the baffle in the uh, attic and replace that and fluff up that insulation and solve the problem. But that's always scary when you look up and see water dripping from a light fixture.
0: I'd, I'd be kind of concerned. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> I don't know if I'd yeah. want to reach out and, and turn it off yeah. at that point.
1: <laughs> so that's definitely, you know, that was definitely a warranty issue. Stuff like that happens.
0: Man, that's, uh, that's definitely, definitely a lot of things you got to be thinking about. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. You have to have, as a builder, we had to have a budget just for warranty. Each house had a budget to use for warranty. Um, but just because you just never know, there's so many people working on this building there's so many parts and pieces in making it all come together and fit together and uh uh seamlessly and beautifully at the same time uh and and the and the builder's responsibility is to make sure that all of the aspects of this come come together and fit like a perfect jigsaw puzzle and that nothing is missing and uh you know sometimes try as you might, something gets missed. I know one time, uh, uh, there was, we, (laughs) we had done an apartment building. And we went, we were driving by it one day in the wintertime. And we noticed that there was just like two sections on the roof that had no snow on them. And we thought, wait a minute, what is going on there? Well, the insulator had forgot to insulate two bays of the Oof. roof, and we noticed it because there, there should there should be snow on that roof. It should not be melted off. But the heat was rising up. There was no insulation to prevent um, the the heat from melting off that snow. So we were able to call the insulator, get them over there, and get it taken care of. But um, yeah, it was a it was a hey <laughs> that shouldn't be happening. <gasps>
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also knowing what it is that you're looking at too. Like I yeah, like I just went to a, um, a property that I walked before on my own, but um, I had a commercial contractor. I went out there. He was considering buying it as a flip property, but he started pointing stuff out where that were actually like big issues. And I was like, man, I totally would not have seen that. So it's <laughs> having somebody there that actually knows what they're looking at. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's true. And then and that's the other thing when you when a lot of people come up and they buy a piece of land and they're all excited about having something built on the property. Well, uh, there's there's some things you need to do to make sure that the uh, the property is suitable for what you want to build. I I mean, uh, there's I have learned this from my husband. You can you can. Not always, but you can look at a piece of property and be able to tell if the ground is suitable for construction by what's growing on it, or what's not growing on it. So test holes uh, to make sure that it will accept a foundation and a um, uh, and uh, you know a septic system uh, are always recommended before you buy a piece of land.
0: Oh yeah. Every, every single time. Cause I mean, it's all cash when you're buying land except for some very rare incidences. So that's, that's a big chunk of change. You're just putting out there and you haven't even broke ground on it yet.
1: Well, sometimes, um, I mean, I've known people, people have called me and they say, Hey, you know, we want to have a builder uh, build a house for us on this lot. They haven't purchased the lot yet. They want the builder to purchase it. And so I've got to get the builder to go out there, evaluate the lot to see if it is buildable. And sometimes it's iffy and he has to get his equipment out there to dig around and make sure that it is, uh, uh, that he can get a septic on it and he can get, you know, a separation of well and septic and all of that. I mean, sometimes you... You don't want to just go buy it. You need to you need to have all those factors all lined out before you buy the property. And then the builder will buy the property and uh, you give them a 90% letter and, and some uh, money down and you're good to go. Okay.
0: So what would you say to somebody who's thinking about building? Because I get a lot of folks that reach out. They're kind of going for the quintessential Alaska, off-grid, far away from people. I'm sure you've never heard this before, but what would you you kind of say to people to kind of lay out expectations before, before starting that journey?
1: Well, how much money you got <laughs> <Because laughs> off grid, um, off grid can mean a lot of different things, but generally off grid means there's no road. If there's no road, then worry. How are you getting your equipment in there by helicopter? I mean, you just increased your price per square foot exponentially, Um, if there is a road and you just want to build something off grid, one of the requirements to get a loan is it has to have a permanent heat source. And permanent heat source can be an oil furnace or an oil uh, oil stove, but it can't be a wood stove. That is not considered a permanent heat source. So it depends on what they wanna do. If they're wanting to come up and pay cash and, and do that, uh, they may be able to find somebody. Now you have to keep in mind pe- what people don't understand is that are moving up from the Lower Forty Eight. They think that Alaska is just a little bit bigger than Hawaii because of the maps that they see. <laughs> <laughs> they don't understand how large we are, and so when they're thinking off grid, um, and and let's just say you do have roads, you're still way out there. Um, uh, and so to get a builder to go way out there, then all of the subcontractors have to use generators for their equipment to get the house to be built. Um, it, it, that just adds a huge amount of expense, plus the travel time to get out to the property.
0: And that's huge. Yeah, and i am seeing. I've seen some properties where it's like this little house on like this island. And it's like, man, I can't even imagine how expensive that was to make.
1: <laughs> well, you know, my husband and I have a cabin on um, on a lake and uh, we have no road to it. We've owned this cabin for probably 25 years. Uh, we did do a major remodel on it. We were able to get materials there because we would wait till winter and drive across on the ice road and uh, bring the materials in that way. We were also able to get heavy equipment out there, bulldozer, other things out there uh, on the ice road. And that was the only way that, that we were able to do it. Uh, we could do inside things and small projects during the summer, but anything that needed us to be able to have like a lumber drop or anything like that had to be uh, on the ice road.
0: So again, the seasonality and the timing really does matter.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember bringing windows across the lake on a snow machine on, that, that had a, we had a sled, a huge wooden sled with the windows for our cabin uh, wrapped up on this sled. We created this A-frame to go on the back of it to line all the windows up on the back. And oh my goodness, every time he would hit a, uh, my son was standing on the back of the snow machine, holding the windows on. My son, my husband would hit a snow berm on the snow machine, which would flip my son off the back of the sled then get up and run and jump back on the back of the sled again. I mean, it has its challenges, but certainly something you'll never forget. <laughs>
0: That you know, sounds like a fun family adventure.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the windows made it. Nothing got broken. But it is it is very different when you're building remotely. And it takes a lot longer. And you may or may not be able to get long-term financing. So just don't automatically assume that you can come up to Alaska, build a property remotely uh, within six months and get bank financing. It's probably not going to happen.
0: Yeah, totally. So a couple more questions here, and this is, uh, this is one I get fairly often um, for, the, for the crowd that just wants somewhere where they can build and they don't have to have any permits or really oversight in how they're building the structure. What are kind of the areas that they need to be looking at?
1: Well, just because there's no building authority does not mean that there's not building codes so uh let's just say in our area somebody wants to go up beyond willow and build a cabin in the woods Um, and let's say that there is electricity available you still have to if you're going to sell that property you still have to have your um electrical panel and your electrical to um to code in order to be able to sell it so it it, when when we say that there's no building permits or codes it doesn't mean that you can uh not follow the rules it just means there's no governing body to fine you Hmm. but you're going to reduce the value of your property if you do not do it correctly
0: yeah absolutely i mean i know some people are you know convinced they're going to find that little cabin in the woods and they're never going to move ever again. But statistically, that's not likely.
1: (laughs) Well, stuff happens. Life changes quickly. Uh, I, I have so many experiences with people building their dream home. And while it was under construction, while Mr uh Mr. Builder, you know, just not a licensed builder, but wanted to build this log cabin himself, is up at the very top and falls off a ladder and becomes a paraplegic. Mm-hmm. I have sold that house because he couldn't live there after that. I mean, uh, you know, those types of things happen. Um Also, you know, I've had people say, oh, we just want this Alaska dream and they want to live out, you know, way back out off of nothing uh, with with no um, utilities. They want to live off grid. Um, Someone becomes ill and they have to live closer to the hospital or uh, there's just so many different things and life can change very, very quickly.
0: Yeah. I mean, it just seems like once you've taken all the time to build it at all, if you can just do a little bit more effort and not destroy the resale value, it just seems like it'd be worth the investment.
1: (laughs) Well, I have a lot of people that think that they start counting all the money that they have into the house, everything, Uh, every little thing. They even add uh, their utility bills and that's how they think that they're going to get the value of their house. Well, that's, that's not the way it goes. I, I I've had people before I, we're in an airplane community and um, they want these guys, they want a hangar, and then they want a, a house, a little tiny, you know, one bedroom apartment to, but they're really most interested in this hangar. Well, they want to finance this it is extremely difficult to finance a uh, one bedroom house on a huge hangar because there's just not enough people out there. There's nothing to compare it to, to get, to get comparables from. And so you have to be very, very careful of what you do choose to build. You could choose something to build that isn't going to appraise for nearly as much as it's gonna to cost to build. And that's why you should get an appraisal for your plan. You can have an appraiser look at your plan before you start construction, so you know that your what your property is going to be worth when it's done. Because believe me, there's nothing scarier than picking out a floor plan, and then when it's when it's all finished and you're ready to go to long-term financing, it appraises fifty thousand less than when you've got it.
0: Yeah, that, uh, that definitely does kick up the, um, the money in that project a lot quicker. Well,
1: and the things that you choose also. Uh, trust your realtor and your builder. If your builder says, hey, you're not going to get the value out of that of what it's going to cost you to put in, don't do it because you're going to be paying cash out of pocket for that. If you've got a little tidy sum to be able to do that and that's what you really want, then go for it. But if you think you're going to finance it in, you're only going to finance it in if the appraisal allows you to.
0: And that's that's really smart. So, when should somebody reach out to um, reach out to you when they're thinking about doing a new construction home and what phase should they uh, should they bring you on? <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, obviously from the beginning, um, because the 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 real your realtor needs to first understand what the buyer wants. And then the realtor can say, you know what, you're not being realistic. I've had people come to me and say, well, we want 20 20 acres, and we want to be, you know, out here, and we want to have natural gas, and uh, you know, we want to have a view of the mountains, and we want to be on a lake, and you know, we are qualified up to 175,000. Well, that's just not realistic. That's just not going to happen. So the first thing. A realtor just needs to interview a buyer carefully to make sure that the buyers are realistic. If they're not being realistic, then you got to have that cold, hard conversation with them about, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but really you're in more of the 400000 price range. Um, then, so we have to start there. Then we have to start with the type of builder you need. Do you need a track home builder? Do you need a custom builder? Do you need, you know, what, do you need somewhere in between? Uh, do you need a cabin builder? There, there's all kinds of different builders with all kinds of different skill sets, and uh, and so the realtor is going to know who those builders are and who you should talk to and 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 who is going to be way out of your price range or not give you the product that you're looking for. So um, then you can start with plans. Does the, do you ha- does the buyer have their own plan? Do they want to use one of the builder's plans? Do they want to modify one of the builder's plans? And how much is it going to cost to modify that plan? So if you want to build in the summer of 2022, you need to be working on this stuff now.
0: Yeah, this is not something you just roll up in exactly. April or March and decide you're going to start.
1: <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. You need to be working on it now. Think of it as a wedding just like a wedding,
0: you plan it months in advance. It's probably the best way to look at it. <laughs> All right. no well, Co- Oh, <laughs> uh, hopefully not, <laughs> knock on wood. <laughs> uh, okay, well, Cora, what's gonna be the, the best way for people to reach out to you for, you know, questions and um, questions about starting a new construction process and just kind of helping with that in South Central Alaska.
1: Well, my phone number, 907-982-5700, or you can just email me at properties at gmail.com. I'll be happy to answer any questions anybody has.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, I do really appreciate your time. I learn more than one thing every time we talk, so it's always a pleasure, but um yeah, if you do have any questions about new construction homes in South Central Alaska, Cora is going to be an absolute gold mine of information, so make sure you reach out to her. But other than that, thanks for listening and we'll uh, we'll catch you next time.